Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Future of Jewish Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Hoffman. On this episode, I am joined by Rabbi Mendel Moskowitz. He was born in New York, and at the age of six months, he moved with his parents to serve as Chabad emissaries and rebuild Jewish life in Kharkiv, Ukraine, after the Soviet Union fell. Rabbi Moskowitz studied abroad for 10 years in a yeshiva and rabbinical school in Australia, and then returned with his wife to Kharkiv. There they raised three children, and he served as a rabbi to Ukrainian youth for seven years, until the onset of the war in Ukraine. Rabbi Moskowitz is now serving as an ambassador for the Jewish Relief Network Ukraine, a nonprofit organization providing humanitarian relief to more than 30,000 Jews and others in Ukraine. Enjoy my conversation with Rabbi Mendel Moskowitz. Mendel, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. This is a unique interview because you're doing some unique work. But before we get into what you're doing today, why don't you give us some background into who you are, where you came from, all that good stuff. First of all, a big thank you to you for giving me this opportunity. So my story begins in 1990 when I was born in Brooklyn, New York. And that same year that I was born, the Lubavitch Rebbe, who was actually born in the Ukraine, made a decision to send emissaries to the Soviet Union, to the Ukraine, one rabbi, which is my father, Rabbi Moskowitz, and then Rabbi Kamenetsky, uh, who was the chief rabbi of Dnepr, my father's chief rabbi of Kharkov, and the chief rabbi of Russia, Rabbi Lazar. All three rabbis were sent together in 1990, and I was a little baby then, six months old, were sent to the Ukraine, to Kharkov, which is the second largest city in the Ukraine, uh, with about a million and a half people. So, and when we came there, there were 50,000 Jews. So before the war, there were 130,000 Jews. When we came there, there were 50,000 Jews, one of the largest communities in Ukraine. And we had this great honor for 32 years to live there, to provide for the community, to, to do everything for them. We built a beautiful school there and many other infrastructures, about six buildings we had in Kharkov. And uh, with different... Uh, different things we're doing in each building. We had a school for girls, a school for boys, a mixed school, uh, mainly education. That was our main purpose there. And obviously humanitarian aid because uh, in Ukraine, uh, so people people don't really have money. There's a lot of poor people. Even before the war, the situation wasn't good. So a big part of what we were doing there for so many years was humanitarian work. And right now, thank God we were prepared for this war because we had a lot of experience with helping people. We had a big kitchen. We're helping people out throughout the years. And we also had uh, we also had medicine and you know uh, like a small kind of hospital in the synagogue, which is very unusual. But we had that for so many years because people needed medicine, and we want to make sure that there's a doctor, someone who could just meet people regularly in case someone needs any medical assistance. And when the war started, we realized just how much of that we would need. So now you're coming to me from Israel, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yes, correct. So when did you get to Israel? So basically what happened was uh, we made the decision, not an easy decision, but we made a decision to stay with our community, even though things were getting pretty crazy. About a month before the war started, the United States warned us, uh, I'm I'm an American citizen, to leave the country. And my wife is an Israeli citizen, and she also got warned that she needs to leave the country. There was Kharkov is located basically 35 minutes away from the border, from the Russian border. My house is 35 minute drive 
from the from the Russians. So they, they had at a certain point they had 150,000 uh, soldiers at the border with tanks, uh, long range missiles. We were reading some really crazy stuff, but we made that decision a very tough one to stay with our community. And for over a week, we were there under really heavy bombings. It started one morning. It started at five o'clock in the morning. There were explosions and things just start going crazy. Just Russia decided to attack Ukraine. It started at five o'clock in the morning. And we found ourselves in a very unusual situation. Basically, a lot of the Jewish community, a lot of people started coming to the synagogue just to find shelter because there's some a sort of basement in the synagogue. So we covered all the windows and we created this sort of shelter where over 100 people came just the first day of the war uh, because it was just too dangerous. Anybody, including myself, I lived, I lived on the fifth floor. I had to find shelter, find a place to, to be safe. And the bombings were just getting crazier and crazier. They were intensifying day to day. And one morning, the city was started getting completely that it felt like bombs were falling on our heads. And uh, what happened, our building, the building was shaking and what happened was a bomb fell next door to our house. And our house filled up with smoke. And this was already a week and something into the war. And that's the moment we realized that if we don't, if we don't leave and take out our families and our community members, God forbid, we, we won't make it out of here. So we took our families and it was complicated because we couldn't get a car to get out. It was very complicated. There was a lot of miracles. Uh, it was a three-day escape. The, the, our deal to get to Israel was a three-day ordeal. Uh, and obviously, as you can imagine, not an easy one. And it was so crazy that I didn't even get a chance to get to my house before we left the city, which I literally grew up for 32 years. Uh, so we just let, I took my ha a handbag with just my passport and a few clothings for my kids. And that's it. We just left... Uh, we had to leave, we had to escape, but you know, that responsibility for the community is still with me. And so, so the, first, the first few months of the war were busy just taking out people. And then at a certain point, we realized that there are a certain amount of people that are not gonna leave. Elderly people that are not really ready to go. Uh, that's number one. Number two is young people. Anybody from 18 to 60 is not allowed to leave the country. They have to be you know, either at war or doing service for the for community service. So we realized that there's a few thousand Jews that are just not leaving. And it's, I feel, and we feel that it's our responsibility to continue helping them. So we set up a system in, in continuing helping them in every way possible. So first of all, food, food is a big thing. Uh, we have in our synagogue, a kitchen that is working 24 seven feeding hundreds of people just in Kharkiv, the city I'm from. But the truth is, through, through this organization, which I became a part of, the JRNU, um, which actually is a very interesting story how I, I, I became part of this organization. When I was leaving the war, this organization uh, with Rabbi Pelas, who's another uh, amazing people who are in charge of it, uh, they helped me actually get on a plane and make it out of Ukraine. So they guided me and found, helped me find cars and ways to get out. And I felt that it's my duty and my mission to be a part of organization that is keeping, uh, keeping Ukraine alive and continuing to help the country and continuing to help the people in so many ways. So the first thing is obviously food, right? So 
there's just people that are hungry and there's no work. That's a big problem in Ukraine right now. There's no work. People don't have a way uh, to find work. So, so that's, that's a very big deal. So we're sending literally money for people that need the housing. People could have their electricity shut, shut down or the heating shut down. People are really, you know, the, the situation financially is very rough at war times. And medicine is a very big thing. Elderly people need medicine and some of them are too scared to get out of their houses, to leave their homes, to get medicine or they're in some cities, there, there is no medicine. We have to bring from other cities medicine to them. And that's a very big thing that, that we're dealing with. And just, just helping people in any way possible. We have a special system set up. We have 48 people who are working full-time for us that are in Ukraine right now. Community members, people from, from the communities, from our communities that are providing, basically we have a system set up that people could send a request, a message. They need this kind of medicine. They need food, they're hungry, whatever they need. And we have a system set up that we, people on the ground that we help them directly there. So that's, that's what we're dealing with right now every day. And as time goes on, things are just getting worse. So that's a big problem for us because on, in the media, like on, on the news, things are getting better because it's not as interesting anymore to talk about Ukraine. And you know, as time moves on, it's already people are trying to move into the elections in Israel and the elections in the United States and other interesting news. But the truth is things only are getting worse in Ukraine. And the bombings are intensifying in many cities, including the city I'm from, which is Kharkov. Um, so the situation is very not simple. And we're very worried about the winter, especially because there's different different news that it's gonna that it's gonna get pretty crazy in the winter. And um, we are very worried about that, but we're in the, we're trying to stay helpful. You know, we're trying to stay helpful because anybody I spoke to, including the refugees that are now in Israel and spread all over the world, everybody wants to come back. So uh, we'll get to the situation on the ground in a few minutes, but I want to ask you before this war, obviously, you know, you being a Jew in, in Ukraine, I mean, what was life as a Jew in Ukraine pre-war? So, so that's a great question because um, there's a lot of conflicting news and information that people are trying to understand. But I, I'm here firsthand and I can tell you firsthand about how, what it was like growing up in the Ukraine as, as openly Jewish. So it's important to notice, first of all, that Ukraine was very anti-Semitic in the past. So my grandfather was actually from Ukraine. He was a, he's a Holocaust survivor. And then he was taken to Auschwitz. And he himself used to tell me that the Ukrainians behaved worse than the Nazis. So this is an important factor that it's important to remember history and what happened. But in the past 30, 32 years, since the communism fell apart in 1991, Ukraine has made a very large, a huge effort, huge effort to combat anti-Semitism more than a lot of the countries in Europe. So I have a lot of friends in France and different cities in Europe, and a lot of them have told me much worse experiences that they experienced than what we went through um, in Ukraine. So, of course, there were different anti-Semitic uh, incidents, small incidents. Um, I personally was never attacked, never abused. Uh, actually, just the opposite. Uh, we had a lot of respect from the local government, a lot of support from the local government and the whole government of Ukraine. Uh, the mayor of the city came to my sister's wedding. That's how close uh, we were with the local authorities. Uh, people in the streets respected us. Uh, people understood that having Jews is a good thing, uh, that that Jews are, are are important for their society. And when Jews leave, 
that's when things are not good. So that's that's the notion that people lived with. Again, of course, there were some incidents, but much less than a lot of European countries. So that's in that in that way, I felt very safe living in Ukraine. So you say when people leave, that's when things get bad for the Jews. So what do you I mean? What what are some of the thought processes that are going into, you know, the situation as it is right now? I mean. We know a lot of Jews, including yourself, have left Ukraine, have had to leave Ukraine, frankly. And I'm just wondering, you know, if you take a, uh, if you're able to at all to look beyond, you know, the actual Maslow hierarchy of needs of the people that are still there. I mean, is there, is there, what are the next steps that, that you're envisioning as, you know, you among many are going to try to rebuild the Jewish communities across Ukraine? So that's, that's a tough question to answer because it's hard for us to predict the future, but there are a few things that we, we do know. We do know that there, there are thousands, or actually tens of thousands of Jews in the whole country that are there and they're not planning on leaving. So that's, that's number one. There's a certain amount of Jews who are always gonna be there. Uh, right now, our main goal is to keep them alive, just to make sure that they're alive and they have everything needed in order to survive, especially the ones who are weak the elderly people, the ones who are weak, they, they don't have anybody taking care of them. They don't have their kids taking care of them. A lot of elderly people live on their own in Ukraine. I don't know why there's more elderly people living on their own in Ukraine than other countries, but this is something we find so much. So our first job right now until the war ends is just to keep everybody safe, make sure they have heating, make sure they have security, the most basic needs, food, medicine this is what we're worried about we want to make sure everybody survives and then when we come back then when we come back and and you know god willing everything is going to end it's it's also important to notice that that you know there's a lot of rabbis who are still living in ukraine in safer cities and even in kharkov my father and my brother have been there a few times back and forth helping out the community members we have a system set uh, people are getting all the help needed. The synagogue is the main place where all Jews from the whole city are coming to, to, to find for help from the beginning of the war. So we feel a lot of responsibility to be uh, the, the main providers for them, for the community. Obviously, we're working with other organizations, uh, other Jewish organizations, but right now Chabad is the largest organization that is present there in, in Ukraine right now. And our, our hopes is that this war ends as quickly as possible, even though like we don't understand how, we don't know how it's gonna end because politically it's very complicated and we don't see an end politically to this war, but emotionally and, and um, you know, as Jews, we wanna be helpful, hopeful. You know, we always believe that everything is happening for a reason and we wanna believe that this is gonna end well and things are gonna come back to normal. Yes, the community won't be, as large and as beautiful as it was before the war, but we're going to make sure to, to rebuild it as much as possible. And as I was saying, a lot of people want to go back. So, so we know this. We know this, and, and we're ready to go back as soon as this ends. I'm curious to hear, you know, your experience. I know you left Ukraine basically with a handbag, from my understanding. You have a family, you have a wife, you have kids. So, you know, take us through those days where you're basically homeless and up until you get to Israel, I mean, what, what was that like? Wow. Um, so it, it was, it was tough because I, I never experienced that in my life. So as a rabbi, I always thought about other people, 
So I was busy always helping other people spiritually or or, not, or just physically if somebody needs something. Uh, that was my, you know, I felt that that was my mission in life. Uh, just providing, always providing something for somebody else. And and that that mission in life it, it always fulfilled me. It always kept me going, always kept me alive. Uh, because, you know, when we think too much about ourselves, we can get depressed. You know, the, the Lubach Rebbe once answered a lady and um who sent a letter to her telling her telling him he, she feels depression so he encouraged her to stop thinking about it herself and to think about someone else every day to do something for somebody else and that you know that fills you up so that, that's what I was busy doing and then for the first time I felt like my basic needs which is food clothing I didn't have any of that so first of all, during the trip, we were hungry. So we were traveling for three and a half days with no food. We took some food with us, but, but we were literally hungry during the way. So that's the first time we experienced something of that sort. Uh, obviously, we had some fruits, uh, some, some water, but we didn't really like ate properly. And, and in general, throughout the war for that week and a half that we were there, uh, because it's wartime, so you're very stressed. You don't really sleep well or eat well. So, so the basic needs are really not there so this is the first time i experienced something of that sort and it's crazy that we're sitting here talking about this in the 21st century uh you know we're having this beautiful podcast and just to think about it that, that there's <laughs> there's a time where i was hungry there are still people that are hungry in the 21st century in a european country so so that that part was very unusual to me first of all and being under stress and under all the bombings that were there and in general, that you know, that feeling of being a refugee, that feeling of being a refugee is something that is hard to describe. You feel literally homeless. You have no idea where you're going. So only when we were like in the middle of our trip, we found out that there is a plane, a special plane that is coming, especially to save not only us, but a lot of refugees. It was a special chartered flight for refugees. So we had no idea how we we're getting out. Like everything was a like, you don't know what's going to be tomorrow. You don't know how, in the next few hours, you don't know how you're going to get to the border. You don't know what's going to be at the border. Everything was like a mystery. And even arriving in Israel, we still felt like refugees. We didn't have a home. And, you know, people were amazing. People gave us uh, clothing for our kids because we came Friday afternoon. My kids were wearing boots, winter boots. And this is for the first time. Yeah, they, they needed shoes. Like, they had no shoes. And... And um, just experiencing that, it was very uncomfortable. But, you know, on the other hand, uh, because we're Jewish and we care for one another. So that feeling was so beautiful. I, I never felt what, what kind of a big family we are. So when people were, were helping us, people from America, people in Israel, send us literally clothing to wear. So, so I was like, oh, my God, there's people who don't know me, who care for me want to make or who care for the people of Ukraine or want to make sure that that we're okay and even till today um, what basically my mission is to be an ambassador for everything that is going on there and to spread the word and tell people about what's going on in Ukraine it's unbelievable so many people care and so many people want to know how are you guys doing what's going on there you know, in World War II, we weren't so organized like we are right now. Right now, I think the Jewish people are much more caring for one another. And they, they want to make sure that everybody is okay. They understand that we're one big family. And, you know, I spoke in Seattle. 300 people showed up to hear about what is going on in Ukraine. And, and all over California, hundreds of people went out to hear my speech. And 
I'm thinking about it and, and it inspires me that so many people care uh, for what is going on with us and with our families and, and with all my friends who grew up there. So that, that's a big, that was a big lesson for me from everything we went through. And then talk to me a little bit about your reception in Israel, because I think for a lot of Ukrainian Jews, from what I've heard, not just in Israel, but in Europe and the States and other places uh, that they've sought refuge because of this war, you know, the reception has been very hit or miss, not in terms of the, the people of those countries, but they're in terms of the, you know, the bureaucracies and governmental things. So, you know, for you specifically, what was that like? in coming and sort of making a new home in Israel? So for me specifically, it wasn't so rough because my wife is Israeli. So I'm used to the culture. Um, so I, I know I've been to Israel many times. So for me, finding a place here wasn't so hard. It was more emotionally that I was ejected from my house. That was like, emotionally, that was rough because I was just ejected. I, I didn't choose to go then. I was. I grew up there. We we built their house, and for us to just be thrown out of there, that was that was rough. That took a lot of times, and we're still getting used to it in a way. But I think for for the people, the the, the worst thing was the emotional part, and still is uh, the the emotional part of 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 that. You feel that you're a refugee. You feel that you're misplaced. A lot of people make an aliyah and go to Israel, but that's different because they choose to go. They're ready to go. They, 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 they understand that they're going to this beautiful place to Israel and, and, and people are very appreciative. People who came here, if we're talking about the Israel, the people are refugees here, they're very appreciative that Israel brought them together. But it's important to understand that culturally, Ukrainians are, and Russians, they're very strong. They have a very strong culture. So for them to come to a place like Israel, which here there's a different, completely different culture, also very strong in a different way. It's much more intense here. Life is moving. Uh, everything is different, and and a lot of the people, everybody I spoke to, have a very hard time finding themselves here. Because first of all, they're always they feel in their heart that they still live in Ukraine, so they're always feeling that we're going to go back, we're going to go back, we're going to go back. And in reality, that's not what's happening. So they have a hard time finding a normal place to live because because we're going to go back and and finding a job because you know we're we're going to go back and. But the truth is, it's important for us to help them settle here. So a big part of what we're doing as well, we're helping them settle here, finding work, finding a place to live. We have two refugee camps from, from Ukraine. We had big two refugee, uh, sorry, not refugee. We have um, orphanage, two big orphanages in Ukraine. One is in Odessa and one is in Zhitomir. They were misplaced because of the war. Uh, the rabbis there, uh, close friends of mine, took them out. So the orphanage in Odessa is right now in Berlin, in Germany, and the orphanage in Zhitomir is right now in Israel. And actually, yesterday, uh, uh, Avigdor Lieberman, who's a very big center in Israel, went to visit uh, and you know to pay his respects uh, to to what we're doing there and to all our work uh, with the, these little kids. And uh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that you know even though things are very hard. We're still trying to give hope to little kids. And, and a lot of it is not only uh, financially. It's also help calling. How are you doing? How are you feeling? How, what do you need? What, what are you missing? Uh, you know, just to give hope to people. That's a big, big part of what, what we're doing. And obviously, 
physically making sure they have everything we need. And thank God, we're, because we're, we're so together now uh, in the 21st century, and I, I feel that we're working closely with other organizations, other Jewish organizations like never before. Uh, I was just now at the, at the Miami retreat with over a thousand people and we had, um, we had from the Jewish Federation, we had uh, the, the, the representative of Miami, he came to show his support for everything that is going on in Ukraine. So it, it is truly unbelievable. And so many podcasts and so many people who want to hear, who want to know what's happening and who care and who want to give. And it's unbelievable. You know, it's interesting because I play basketball with a Ukrainian refugee, a 16 year old from Kiev here in Tel Aviv, we play basketball. And one day he shows up and I've been playing basketball there for 10 years. And, you know, here he is a Ukrainian refugee right in front of your eyes. And I just asked him question after question after question. You know, the war is obviously something new, but just in general, I mean, him being a Ukrainian Jew, just like I'm asking you, what are some of the things that, you know, the sort of recurring patterns or trends and questions that people are asking you when they discover that you are indeed a Ukrainian refugee in Israel? So a lot of questions are like, is there still a war happening in Ukraine? <laughs> a lot of questions are like, are you really from Ukraine? Is it all real? Is it that bad? Like people, uh, I don't think people understand how crazy, it's so crazy that it feels like it's a movie. It feels like it's not real. And when people like, like what you're saying, right? You saw a real refugee, like somebody who literally left Kiev, where he lived, had his life going and is now here in Israel. So again, on one hand, it's beautiful that we have Israel and we have a place to go and we have a place that, that is going to take us. But seeing this firsthand, seeing a real refugee, seeing people who are misplaced and, and hearing this story, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's hard to believe, literally unbelievable. It's hard to believe that something like this is happening right now in a normal country, Europe, Ukraine, beautiful buildings, quiet life. Uh, anybody who lived there will tell you that life was so simple and beautiful, and it's just so hard to to to, to even imagine that this is really going on. This is real. There's war, and 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 this is you know this is the biggest refugee crisis since World War II uh, in, in a European country for for the Jewish people definitely. So so this is crazy. This is really, really crazy what is happening. There are estimates uh, that there's between 200 and 300,000 Jews in Ukraine. So, right, that's, a, that's a, not a small number. I mean, that's substantial when you think about global Jewry. Yeah, even, even if it's 200 or even if it's 150, it's an enormous amount of Jewish people. And anybody who has been to Ukraine knows, the, knows what was going on there. And people just, just looking at the news, uh, you know, Kharkov is one of the 10 largest synagogues in the world, our Kharkov synagogue. The other beautiful synagogues, Nepoptrovs is the largest Jewish center in the world. So we're talking about really, you know, beautiful communities, unbelievable communities for 32 years after the Soviet Union, after all the destruction, uh, you know, that they tried bringing upon the Jewish people, closing down their synagogues, closing down their schools. The rabbis came, over 150 rabbis came to the Ukraine and rebuild everything. And unfortunately, this is happening. You know, this is a destruction. This war is destroying Jewish communities. And it's our job to find a way to, to, to somehow, you know, stick it all together until it all ends. So you, met, you, know, you mentioned 
global Jewry, and you actually are as international of a Jew as you get. You're born in New York, moved to Ukraine, study in Australia. Your wife is Israeli. Now you live in Israel, temporarily at least. Um, and, and my father is from Caracas, Venezuela, and my mother is from Sydney, Australia. So. Amazing. So we, we definitely are from all over the world. So I'm just curious, you know, I mean, what have you learned during this crisis about what we can call the global Jewish people? I mean, I know that you've experienced that in your life already because of the international path that you've taken, so to speak. But specifically in this crisis, I mean, what has stood out to you as saying, wow, you know, it is such a privilege to be Jewish because we know a lot of Ukrainian refugees are not Jewish, most of them, in fact. And they might not have the networks and the resources that, you know, global Jewry can, can provide and does provide in times like this. So what has really stood out to you about global Jewry in the face of this crisis? So first of all, a big thing and a very important thing that I think a lot of people, especially in Israel, are missing out is that there are Jews all over the world and they're choosing to be there. There are Ukrainian Jews, there are Russian Jews, there are American Jews, there are South African Jews, there are Jews all over the world. And we're one family. That's the most important thing that we all have to understand. You know, some people unfortunately feel, you know, they could all just come to Israel. And if they're not, that's not my problem. That's not my business. That is not true. We are one people. There are people who, for whatever reason, grew up in Ukraine or Russia, and they don't see, or any other country, and don't see themselves living anywhere else. It's not their fault. Um, so, so that's a very important thing to understand. And it's important to understand that we're one family and we have to care for each other. When there are Jews that are not doing well somewhere, including when there are things that are bad here in Israel, the people in America care, the people in Ukraine care, especially when there were wars here in Israel, everybody would come to synagogue and ask us what's going on in Israel. How's everybody doing? How can we help? So it's important to understand that we're one family. And, and, and even, you know, when things were bad throughout history, we always had to remember that we're one family and that's what kept us together. You know, the, the creation of Israel was created from Ashkenazi Jews, Sephardic Jews, Jews from all, from Yemen, from all sort of, the, from the whole world. So we're complied from everything. And in order for us to continue being strong, we have to care for one another. And we have to care for the people of Ukraine right now, who are, for the Jews of Ukraine who are having a very hard time and that are going for very rough times. And right now, this is our responsibility. You know, I'm wondering if we can learn something from the situation. In, in some cases, the war between Russia and Ukraine, well, frankly, it's not between Russia and Ukraine. The fact that Russia attacked Ukraine um, <laughs> unjustifiably is unique, right? The circumstances around it and the history, I mean, that's unique. But I'm wondering if, you know, Jews today that live in the States, that live in Australia, that live in South America, South Africa, et cetera, you know, maybe can look at this and say, yeah, my, my life is good today. And we have a thriving community wherever we, we may be living today. But Jews are never, you know, Jew, I guess what I'm trying to say is Jews are never, we're always refugees in our history so a lot of jews that are living in in places today feel very comfortable being jewish there, living a jewish life there, um expressing their judaism and, and however they do it but also like isn't this in some ways uh, a reaffirmation of zionism and and a strong jewish state because 
what happens to the Ukrainian Jews today can happen in 25 years to the U.S. Jews and in 37 years to the Argentinian Jews and so on and so forth. And I'm not trying to fear monger, don't get me wrong, but I'm just wondering, like, what are some of the things that Jews who are living in peace and harmony today around the world maybe can learn from somebody like yourself and your community um, about what it means to be a Jew in the world? So I, I think personally, if, if you're providing some kind of amazing work uh, to your local community and you're strengthening the Jews there in any way possible, so I think that's a good cause to be living anywhere outside of Israel to provide that service for people. Um, you know, that gives, we have to provide for the Jews everywhere. We have to make sure that they stay Jewish. We have to make sure that they have synagogues and Jewish school. Otherwise, we're just going to lose them. Uh, certain people are not just Jewish enough uh, that they feel so identified. So a big part of what rabbis do all over the world is, you know, making sure that Jews are identifying themselves as Jewish, connecting to their Judaism, connecting to their roots. So that's a big part of what we're doing. Obviously, if there would be this magic button that we could just press and bring everyone here, obviously we would press that button. It would make our lives and their lives so much easier because as we see the world is going through a crazy stage right now. And obviously, if a community could just come to Israel and some communities have actually done that. There are small communities that moved the entire community to Israel, which is great. But again, we, we still have, we have to understand that this is just the reality that we're living in. Uh, you know, all the Jews in America are not going to move here tomorrow. That's just not going to happen. Even if we would like it so much to happen, that's not happening right now. Maybe in 25 years. Maybe when things are not good, God forbid. Um, but this is the reality that we're in right now. And I think by, by Israel caring for others and showing an example of being a leader, of, of, of receiving people, of helping people when they come, uh, or right now, as we are here creating this huge organization and with the American Jews helping Ukraine, I think this is showing an example of who is running the show. You know, a lot of times Ukraine learns from Israel and how to behave. And Israel is being a light to other nations. And part of being Jewish is being a light to other nations. As it says in our Torah, we have to show an example and we have to, you know, God, God made us the chosen people, not so we could feel special. But so we have this responsibility of being the example and showing the example. So I think Israel is doing, you know, a, a great job of this. And we're showing right now as well that we, we didn't just leave everybody behind, that we're, we're helping the people of Ukraine. We're continuing to helping the people and obviously the, the Jewish people of Ukraine as well. And we're just providing this amazing, amazing help. And I think the world is seeing this right now. And that is amazing. Amazing indeed. What else is amazing is the work that the organization that you're an ambassador for, the Jewish Relief Network Ukraine, uh, a nonprofit organization that's providing humanitarian relief to more than 30,000 Jews and others in Ukraine. Uh, tell us a little bit about the organization. And I know that you guys are gearing up for what might be a harsh winter. So give us a peek behind the curtain also of some of the plans that you guys have in the works to ultimately continue to serve these, you know, just battered communities. So we had, first of all, the first part of uh, the first part of our mission was just to get as much as Jews to safety to a safer place. But right now, our, our most important mission is to keep everybody safe. So first of all, food and medicine is the first necessity that we're providing 
to tens of thousands of people in the country. We have 48 members who are currently right now in Ukraine uh, doing the work on the ground, providing food, medicine, whatever is needed, uh, full-time working there for us. And um, th that's number one. That's the most important thing that we're doing. We're making sure that the money is going directly there. We have uh, places with cash there because there might be a situation where we won't be able to send money. So we have uh, cities where there's uh, physically money there. So we can give that money to whoever we need, to whoever is in, in, in need for help. And right now, uh, we are worried about the winter. Yes, we're worried about the winter because it's, it gets pretty cold and there are cities that their electricity situation is not that great. There are people who their houses, they're just shutting down their house because they didn't pay their bills. Uh, so that is a very serious problem that we're dealing with right now and making sure that we are ready for this rough winter as much as that is possible. So we're collecting money in order to create a system that we could heat up all the houses that need heating throughout the winter. And a big problem is security right now because so many people in the country were just giving out weapons, very serious weapons, grenades, guns, people who are not qualified to walk around with those things. And we're very nervous. We heard some cases, not they weren't directed at the Jewish community, thank God, but we heard some crazy stories about this guy who just walked into a mall. There was actually a video of that with a gun aiming at people and, and threatening people. Uh, there was this guy who threw a grenade at kids who were bothering him sleeping at night. Uh, so so it's, it's very dangerous. And we have to make sure to provide the security, pay the right guards to make sure all the Jewish communities are safe. So that is our main thing that we're working on right now. And, you know, I call upon anybody who's listening to this to, you know, if you could donate money, please donate, help us, help us continue helping people. This money is going directly to people who need food and medicine. So we're going to leave a link if that's okay. In the, you know, in the description, jrnu.org, that's a website. There's much more information there. If you want, you can read about everything that we're doing. Uh, there are some, there are families who tell their stories and how we were able to help them during these hard times. So you can go to our website, jru.org, and check it out. And if you can help, just go through the link. And in every way possible, if you can help, that's amazing. That helps the Jews of Ukraine so much. Nando, this has been a truly inspiring podcast episode. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing with us your incredible story and the incredible work that you and the organization are doing. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity.